Welcome to Val F. Bay Stuttgart Americana, an American-based English-language Val F. Bay Stuttgart fan podcast where our views are unofficial, uninformed, and usually unprepared. This is episode 68. I'm your host, Travis. You can reach me at Hazelfish. You can reach us on the Twitter machine at Val F. B. Americana, online at our website, Val F. B. Stuttgart Americana. Joining me this episode is Matt. You can reach him at Racer. Matt. I got to ask you, you and I just spent a boatload of money on the new diversity kit after the performance this weekend. Are you regretting that? I think if we wear that next year in the second division, we will be the best looking second division club Germany has ever seen. <laughs> Suck it, Sandhausen. <laughs> you got nothing. <laughs> Let's jump into part one. We got some shout outs here. Tip Spiel winner, Steven crushed everyone this week. He's in first place by four points over me. Fantasy winner, Jens won again. He beat Doug by two points. So Jens extends his lead. He's got about 250 point lead over Doug. Uh, Val with Bango, I'll be honest, I didn't watch most of the match. Derek Ray could have done it, so I'm not sure if anybody won or not. Matt, congratulations. You were the podcast prediction champion. You went 7-2 and two this week. You have an eight-game lead over, well, yours truly with uh, nine left. How are you feeling about that? I feel like I'm going to start a Substack, and people can subscribe, and I will post my picks there three hours ahead of time, and you can use them to lose money at Vegas. Oh, man, get that Patreon account going. <laughs> Congratulations to the Val of Bay Frauen. Uh, they are in second place in the Oberliga, which is uh, one of the divisions of the Women's League in Stuttgart underneath the main Women's Bundesliga. They had a 1-1 draw today. Uh, I was able to watch some of that on Val Bay TV. It's nice to watch a successful club, Matt. So uh, shout out to the ladies. They're doing great this year. How long until we are covering the Frauen uh exclusively and with a common like or an, an occasional comment about what the men's team did i think it's about nine games from now that's <laughs> <laughs> what i think uh congratulations finally a shout out to enzo below i think this is his first ofc man of the match with the lowest vote total yet two votes was enough to win it this time um because all the other votes the other contenders were no one uh won a number of them Derek ray got one my favorite was the guy sitting in row 34, uh, Fritzel, and this was especially hurtful. Omar Marmouche got two votes as well. Ooh, oh, that, one, that one hurt. So, Matt, those are our shout-outs for this week. Any uh, people, places, things you'd like to shout out before we move on? Just the guy in row 34. He was fantastic. Really <laughs> yeah. underappreciated effort. That guy's living the life for all of us, isn't he? <laughs> Let's go into part two. Uh, let's talk about the game just because we've kind of got to. We've got 54 total matches against the team from Volkswagen now. Uh, 24 wins uh, to 22 losses. The goal difference is even. But in the last 10, we only have three wins. Uh, speaking of hurtful, we're 0-2 against them this year. Omar has two goals in two matches. He's heading to uh, Frankfurt, I believe, after this season. So hopefully he'll find a home. Uh somewhere all the relegation teams played on saturday at the same time and everybody but us and herta got results but because they've got a point ahead of us hey we're now 18th on the table so matt how's uh, the table view going for you uh, it's pretty ugly uh not gonna lie i feel like it's been been a little while since we've been all the way at the bottom but what's really really depressing is to look at that last five column and hmm. see Schalke with draw, draw, win, win, draw, and us with loss, 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 loss. We joked about this last week that if Hoffenheim somehow got a result against Hertha, they haven't won a match in nine of their last 10. And with one result in really one, in the three months, they've jumped to 14th place. That's how bad the bottom of the table is. And I think We'll end this episode with some positivity because this is going to be a rough one. The only good thing is that the bottom four or five teams are so bad that despite themselves, they might trip into survival this year. 
That's kind of how the, the story was last year, too. It was like three atrocious teams, <laughs> us, and a couple bad ones. And otherwise, the league was pretty good. Yeah, there was a great game today, too. I don't know if you watched the Bayer Leverkusen versus Bayern Munich match. Um, I actually caught that one, and that was whew, that was a really good one. So Bayer uh, Leverkusen got the win. So everybody's excited about the top of the table because there's a bit of a title race now. And everybody's excited about the bottom of the table because, well, there's a bunch of clowns down there <laughs> trying to get, I guess, at least 16th place. I I, I don't know what's going to happen. But did you know, you know the lineup? Uh, was going to happen. We had the same back seven. Uh, the only big difference was Furich and Silas were back. Gil Dias stayed up and Tiago and Juan were benched. Usually I ask your thoughts about the lineup, but let's just jump right into the match. I mean, Gil Dias had a chance at the 15th minute. Then in the 60th minute, there were wholesale changes by Bruno. We had another chance in the 76th minute, but the biggest takeaway I had out of this was this is such a bad lineup and we had no chances. I, I only saw the first 25 in the last 25 minutes. And based on everything I've read, I was one of the lucky ones. The biggest thing I'm going to take away from this is there was a bad lineup. There were no chances. There was another mistake that led to the goal. And there was desperate substitution moves. Pick one of those four. Pick all those four. Anything else stick out to you that I missed or maybe you hit on? Well, I I watched the full 90 because I care about our listeners. And I care about the random people I interact with on Twitter around Stuttgart. Um, so all of you, all three of you listening know I care. And I do these things for you. Um, my biggest takeaway was a Derek Ray comment uh, discussing the, the lineups going into the match where he said, and I quote, Valdemar Anton playing slightly out of position and right back. And that was all I had to say about our defense. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, I, I've joked, you and I have joked, uh, I've joked on Twitter a lot for a couple of years now that Derek Ray's a closet off Bay fan. During this game, if I was a Wolfberg fan, I would have been asking Derek Ray to just shut it. Because he was talking about Sugar a lot. And I feel like he's going through some of the same pain we are. He wants, I don't think he's genuinely a fan, but I think he wants to see Stuttgart do well because it's got a tremendous fan base. It's a historic club. And the fact that we're not hurts a part of his Scottish soul. I think the thing that stood out to me about this is that going to the lineup, as you said about Anton, is it's just there was that one game where we thought things were turning around. And it was the one game they won against, as it turns out, one of the worst teams in the Bundesliga right now which is Cologne they are a disaster and that was the one team we got our win against and we thought oh yeah Anton's figuring this out he's not listen he's it's on the website he's my favorite player I just I love his passion I love his leadership he's 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 playing out of position and let's we were going to talk about this later but let's jump into this right now he is starting in front of a guy who just got called up to the German national team and Joshua Wagnemann. Uh, what? That makes no so, sense. Good, good on Wagnemann for getting the call up. I, I hope he plays. I hope he does well. Um, Bruno, come on, man. What are you, what are you doing here? The, the other thing is Silas up front. I don't know. I, I, so I, I tried to read a couple different tactical blogs about different Bundesliga uh, strategies and tactics and coaching. And every single one of them, I only, it was like three of them, but every single one of them was just like, what is happening? The Anton thing has become a joke, but people can kind of understand that you want to strengthen the defense. Okay. Not ideal on offense, but okay. The Silas move up front to everybody on the planet makes no sense. It's just, He's not a striker. He's more comfortable on the wings. And yet every week we're throwing him in the exact same position. And every week Bruno's like, well, yeah, he's just not playing well. Well, what do you think? And I think that's one of the big things we're starting to see is this idea that Bruno is just playing maybe his best guys, but in all kinds of wrong positions. Somebody put on Twitter the lineup for next week. And it's Florian Mueller up top. It's Dino up top as our number nine. It's all that. <laughs> it's just, it's bonkers. And 
that was my the biggest takeaway I had was the lineup. The other thing was we had a zero offensive chances in this game. I mean, Gil Dias yeah. had that breakaway. Enzo Malo came on, and Enzo was one of the few bright spots. We joked about him only getting two votes for man of the match, but he does make things happen, you know, mm-hmm. out there. But the plethora of defensive mistakes this team makes and the lack of offensive opportunities this team has, we're never going to get a shutout. It's just, it's not in our DNA. We just don't do it. So you have to get opportunities. And I think that's what Sven and Pellegrino realize is my defense isn't that good. And I used to blame Pellegrino all the time for having a defense that was pretty porous. And I do think it was some of his fault, but I wonder at some level where he's like, this is just the way these guys are. And to compensate for that, we need to be much more aggressive on offense because it's that old 1970s Gladbach joke. It's like, yeah, we're going to give up four goals, but we're going to score five. And I really get the sense that is going to be one of the things in a nutshell as to why this season is such a disaster is Bruno's like, yeah, I'm going to stabilize the defense. No, you're not. It's That's just not what these guys can do. It's almost like Bruno wants to play three at the back with Ito, Anton, and Dino, but refuses to shift out of the 4-4-2, so we're kind of playing a lopsided three at the back. And nobody's really told Anton that, so he's really trying hard to play right back and making big runs up in the offensive zone and doing nothing while he's there and then being out of position coming back because he's not fast enough to do that. And it's unfair to him because he's a tremendous center back. He's a terrible right back, but he's a tremendous center back. Um, why, if we're going to force somebody out of position, why we don't do that with Ito, who's not as good at center back as Anton and is faster, um, more agile and more flexible than Anton is. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, this makes no sense to me. This Vagnamon move is just an embarrassing slap in the face because it's funny because Verrill said that he wanted to have more of the Stuttgart players play for the German national team. And I think he set a goal by 2025 or 2026. And so the fact that Vagnamon is one of the first under his reign to get this call up and he can't beat out Anton right back is just delicious here. Uh, Let's jump into something, though. I do want to really talk about this because... I think you've made your feelings about Dr. Brish, Brish, Brick, very clear. Um, let's let's moan about it for a little bit. So there was that potential handball in, I think, the 90th minute or whatever. Uh, you and I were talking off the air about how, what is a handball anymore? I mean, we deserve so, to lose that game. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. any opportunity I have to criticize the handball rule and to criticize the doctor, let's do it. So he's... He's terrible. He's the worst. And anybody who's listened to this for more than a handful of episodes, anybody who follows us on Twitter knows that I will gripe endlessly about Dr. Reich. Um, That handball, if anybody didn't see it, all you have to do to know what happened is go look up the music video for Beyonce's All the Single Ladies. (laughs) And there is a part in the dance sequence where the girls put one hand on their hip and they kick their hip way to the other side of where their hand is, and their elbow sticking way the heck out, and then imagine a soccer ball careening off of that elbow right after it's stuck way out. That's what happened. And then the defender looked at Felix, and he went, but my hand's behind my back. Mm. And the good doctor said, you're right, son, that can't be a handball. <laughs> and then the bar gods came to save us. And Felix looked at the bar gods, and he said, No and just crushed all of our souls. I don't understand how you can use anything from below your shoulder and intentionally put it in the path of a ball have it redirect the path of the ball and not be penalized for that inside of the box. And that's what happened, and we got nothing for it. I don't get it. The thing that's funny is that a lot of times it's the players' reactions that tell you if it's a real call or if it's not. And the Stuttgart players, they were convinced it was a handball. I was watching Haraguchi and Silas talk, and Silas was the one who was going to take that kick. He was going to take the penalty. And so it was just kind of a fait accompli. And the players, yeah. And, and then, you know, you said the doctor's like, nope, not, you know, not, not on my watch. I just, he, he pulled his arm back. Gotcha. 
but he stuck his elbow slash shoulder arm out in a way that redirected the ball. How that's not penalized is beyond me. I just, I don't, I don't get it, but yeah, the, the doctor's not the only one in that Bayer Leverkusen game today, the two penalty kicks that Leverkusen got initially they did not get. And the Bayer Leverkusen offensive player got a yellow card and then they had to go VAR. It, and then they're like, Oh, whoops, no yellow card. Also, that's a penalty kick. <laughs> so I, I guess this isn't the doctor's only problem. I do want to throw this at it. Do you know who the current referee is in the Bundesliga who has refereed Stuttgart matches the most? Uh, if it's Bryce, I'm just going to cry and quit. Five more than second place, 52 times, 52 times. And in those 52 games, how many wins do you think the Vow FBA has? Four. <laughs> 14 W's. So we've got 14 W's in those matches. So uh, the doctor is our most popular referee, at least in terms of appearances. So there you go. So it, it, admittedly, we've been bad over that period True. right and so if we were a mediocre team you would expect that result to be closer to 50 50 or a 500 team but if that result and i'm not doing the math right now because i don't care that much but if that mat if that result is just statistically below like significantly below where our normal matches i think my complaint about dr felix holds some water and i would like somebody to reward me for that oh you know what i'm just looking it up on transfer mark which is a fantastic website by the way love it stats and all that stuff it is actually the top 10 referees it is quite statistically off uh off base there wow hey maybe we've got a grievance i think i think we do we'll let um what uh carl bundesliga know that we think this is a problem we'll take it right to the top Carl Bundesliga. <laughs> I think my real problem with this is like there there's legitimate conversations that can be had around the handball rule and around was his arm in a natural position or was the defender trying to do a thing? Like, this wasn't that. The the elbow was way outside the profile of the body. The the guy was his shoulder was leaning towards the ball while his hip was like his wrist was just behind his hip it he looked like he was doing the dance move from the Beyonce video it there was nothing natural or normal about that on a soccer pitch and it didn't get called because Bryce hates us yeah two things I wasn't surprised at all I, I actually I didn't get excited when that happened because I was like there is no chance there is no chance the doctor is going to give us what we need to survive. Yeah. He's going to let us go Kevorkian and just let us die at this point. Second, this is why we need to start a YouTube channel because I want our listeners to be able to watch you do a Beyonce <laughs> dance because that was a thing of beauty, my friend. No, nobody, nobody wants to see that. You know what nobody else wants to see is the table. So here we go. We are dead last place with 20 points. Schalke's got 21, then Hertha's got 21. So that's your bottom three. Hoffenheim got that win, so they have moved into 15th, uh, not 14th, like I said earlier. Bochum, shockingly, is, they're, they've got 25 points, so they're in 14. And Cologne, which is just in a ton of trouble, is in 13th place with 27. I was chatting with 50-plus Donner. And he was like, oh, God, I'm getting worried, you know, that one of these clubs at the bottom. I'm like, do you really think we're going to win two matches and a draw out of the nine that we have remaining? I mean, 27 points might as well be 67 points at this point. You know, Schalke might, though. I think the thing that's really concerning is that all the clubs at the bottom, besides us, have been having results. And even Hertha had this hiccup but they've been getting some results the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Hertha was loss, win, loss, draw, loss. So they're, they're picking up some points. Schalke's draw, win, win, draw, draw. They're doing well. Colm's worse than us right now. Loss, loss, draw, loss, loss. We at least have one win in our last five. <laughs> yeah. Against them. So. <laughs> I, I didn't ask you who it was against. <laughs> you know, what's interesting. We're in the international break. And one of the things that Bruno said is, ah, the international break's coming at the wrong time for us. Um, I got news for you. Every Saturday, you're right, coming at the wrong time for us. Uh, we are going to play Heidenheim 
over the break in a friendly. Heidenheim is currently the top team in the Zweite Liga. I am super excited to see how this is going to go because there's a chance maybe we'll be playing them in the playoffs, you know, if we're lucky at this point. But there's also a chance that we are going to get our doors bashed in by this team who that is also in the same neighborhood as us, by the way, in von Wurttemberg. And this could just add to the amazing month that we've had with Bruno and company in charge. Uh, when we come back in April, we've got Union on the road. Then we've got the Pokal match. Then we're at Bochum. We haven't won an away match since December of 2021. And we've got three away matches to start April. So, hey, how's that? It's not, not looking favorable. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't know. Do you have any last thoughts about the match before we kind of move on to some news and headlines? I mean, there's really not much to talk. It, the only thing I think I, I would wrap up with is hats off to the supporters because for the 95 minutes that match was being played, they were 100% behind the guys, 100%. And as soon as that match was over, they let them have it. And there was a two-minute video on Twitter that uh, I think it was Brutali put out there and it was loud and it was whistly. And it was the thing that you and I talked about a couple uh, episodes ago that we were worried, where would the support go now that the hope has kind of gone away. And I was really happy that the support during the match was there. It was strong. Mm -hmm. It was loud. And I think it's fair that after the match, it was loud in its criticism. So that's a big takeaway I had from this is that, Things are starting to turn, but the support was still there as long as the guys were playing. And as soon as the match was over, they they heard it. Yeah, it, it lends more credence to the criticisms that the ultras are, are leveling when they're fully invested for the 90 minutes of the game. And they're not being dumb uh, while the game's in play, but good on them for, for giving the team some stink after it. They, there were stretches of that game we looked good. And there were stretches of that game we looked really bad. And I decided at some point that Chris Furich in this game, if you watch just this game and watch just Chris Furich, that sums up Fawad Bay for this entire year. Because every pass he made was either a little too long or a little short. Every ball he received had a heavy touch on it. Every move he tried to make, was telegraphed and broke down <clears throat> and you could tell before he did anything he decided what he was going to do whether it was working or not put his head down shut his eyes and went full blast and that's what we've done and that's we have too many players on this team who are like Furish, who are okay and would be okay on a lot of rosters but aren't good and we don't have enough guys who are good and, I and you can't win with a team full of people who are okay consistently, especially playing with the number of mental mistakes that we play with. I think you can play with a number of people that are okay or good, as long as what you said, there's not the mental mistake part of it. And I think this is what we're going to get into our next section is we were sold on this idea that everything was going to get simplified and everything was going to be much more stable because it was going to be simplified. Well, mm -hmm. much like this episode, it's, uh, it's not that, it's not that simple. Not that simple. <laughs> Let's jump into part three, Matt. It's it's news, headlines, and questions. Let's start off with some comments from the OFC. I'll throw some of these at you and see what you got. So first one is no comment on today's game. Just a sad performance from everyone on the pitch offensively. Defense was okay as usual, but we don't score any goals, and we're going to lose 100% of those games. Uh, shutouts by this defense just aren't going to happen. <laughs> Are, is there any way to tar and feather the board and ride them out of Stuttgart on a rail trip? <laughs> Does that... Well, I, I'm pretty sure that was flabby. So I'm going to yeah. say no. Uh, does ESPN show the games in the second Bundesliga? Does Labadia have a contract for the second Liga? Or is there an auto-sacking function? Which I just love that phrase, auto-sacking. Uh, ESPN does show two games a week, but only two. And Labadia, as far as I know, does have a contract for the second uh, league. Here's a positive spin. Somebody threw out there, hey, I like our chances in the Zweite Liga next year. So yeah. We, we look like a halfway decent Zweite Liga team, which is I part think, of the problem. 
Uh, everything is awful except, and I saved this one for last, the podcast and the OFC. So hey. thank you for doing that. So, hey, Matt, thanks for sending that in, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. Make, make sure that PayPal transfer gets me to Black Friday. Please. Oh, got to move on. Got to move on. All right. Speaking of moving on, there's a number of guys that are moving on to play for their national team. So Endo Ito, Dino Vagnamot, as we talked about, Borna Sosa, uh, Kual, who can't get on the pitch as a striker, and Seiru is going to travel with the team, though he's not going to play. I kind of put this out on Twitter is this could be good or bad. It's awesome for them. Because maybe, like you said a couple episodes ago, doing this gives them some confidence they might bring back to the club. Or is this bad for the club? Because these are all key guys, and you've got another chance to kind of put together Bruno's system, whatever the heck that might be. But you're losing almost your entire defense. You're losing, you know, Sabre's your only offense. Is this more good or more bad? I think it's uh, it's more bad because we need time with the guys together. It's good for these guys individually because they get that that experience, which is cool, and they get a mental break from being in the mess that is the Stuttgart locker room right now. Uh, Nico Villi is the big one. He's our youth coach, but he looks like he's going to leave Valpe at the end of the season. Uh, he was the coach when we were relegated in the playoffs against Union Berlin. Is he the guy that, that we have, you know, come on? Um, I honestly think anybody. Um, Bruno was given 10 games. And I know people say, well, Pellegrino was given 100 games. Okay, that's apples to oranges, in my opinion. That's, yeah. You're not comparing the same thing. He was given 10 games to come in, to stabilize the team, to get that bounce, to get us playing gritty football. None of those things happened. And the only argument you can make to me to keep Bruno around, and I hope people realize how sensitive this is to us because this is a ridiculous podcast that is really, really stupid. And we don't take anything too seriously. And we're, we try to be as positive as we can. And we are thousands of miles away from anything that is happening. So our opinions are just that ridiculous opinions, thousands of miles away. Um, mm -hmm. But he was brought in to do a job and that job hasn't been done. And at this point right now, he has the lowest points per game average of anyone in the last like decade with this club. The only reason I can make to keep Bruno around is with nine games left, you really want to go another 180 degrees. And I can't even bring myself to agree with that. I struggle with that. Um, Matt, we've never called for anybody to get fired on this show. Uh, we've called for players to be benched. We've been critical of players, uh, critical of coaches. Uh, I'm sorry. Bruno's got Bruno's to go. I'm big on the the question, and then what? Right? Okay, Bruno's got to go, and then what? Or uh, fire the entire front office. Okay, and then what? Who do we replace these guys with? What's the next step? Um, that's what I always want to know. And at this point, um, I don't know that it matters. Right. We've seen ever since all the turnover, we were promised uh, stability and progress and that they were going to do some some things to make the chaos lessen. And we've seen more chaos. We've seen more instability. We've seen more failure. Bruno was supposed to come in and stabilize the defense and make us hard to play against. And we're not. And he hasn't. Uh, the biggest reason not to fire Labadia at this point is the fact that we told him we'd pay him a bunch of money until <laughs> a date, which was stupid. And there's another strike against the front office, really. And it just we're we're at a point where we either kind of need to accept that this is what we're gonna be for the next number of years, or we need to admit that what we're doing is wrong, that it's bad, and just tear the whole thing down, accept the fact that we're gonna get relegated. Find a coach who's maybe the next honest wolf or somebody who's a promising young guy. Maybe it's our youth coach. I don't know. But just say, hey, we're not concerned about the results for a couple of games. Let's just see how you do managing things. How can you handle the players? How do you run your locker room? How do you run practices? Let's. You're free. You've got safety net under you. We're going down. We don't care. 
And and his plan, and we're gonna spend a couple of years in this Vitaliga rebuilding, building out for the long term, and try and be the next Union Berlin that comes back and is prepared for success in the first division and rolls. And it it feels a lot like we were starting to do that with Sven and we got promoted too soon. Like he wasn't, he wasn't ready, the team wasn't ready, Reno wasn't ready. And we made it to the big dance and we hadn't tied our shoes yet. And so we tripped and we just, we need to build a base that sets a foundation for this club. And we've been trying to do it while in flight. And I don't know that we can. It's interesting because the year that we were promoted was a rough year. It wasn't super smooth. And then we had that amazing first year in the Bundesliga where we Mm -hmm. finished, I think ninth or something like that. And I think that's the year that, things went a little bit faster and a little bit more according to plan. And this is something that Rob, who is on the program every once in a while, has said, if you look, that was the only year where everybody who had been on the club the previous year was still on the club for the most part that year. That was There was continuity, not just in the coaching staff and the upper management, but also in the, the players on the pitch. And then after that year, that's when Gregor Cobell, that's when Nico Gonzalez, that's when the team started to get picked apart by the different vultures around, you know, Europe. Yeah. And that's when, you know, whether it's bad luck, whether it was bad coaching, you know, I think there is some criticism to go around. That's that next year was when things started to hit the club, you know, pretty rough. So I, I agree with you that it seems like we had a plan and we got away from that plan and everybody was like, okay, fair enough. we're getting away from that plan because it's not working. Fair enough. Um, we're going to sacrifice long-term growth for short-term results. Okay, fair enough. We have to survive this season. But we haven't had any of those short-term results. And Veryl's the guy who famously said it's all about results. And so here we are now, and now he's saying, well, you know, the results will come. You know, it's it's the process is working. You're like, wait a minute. We sort of heard the opposite of this about four months ago. So which which is it? I think this is the, the dangerous part where we're at right now is I'm not even that upset. And it's not that I'm apathetic because we're doing a podcast. So we absolutely care. Right. About <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's the Cleveland Browns where I'm just like, yeah, I'm doing laundry today. The right. I absolutely love and, and care about this club. I re-upped my membership, you know, a month ago, even though we were in this mess, there's a sense of resignation though. And I really feel that on the people I talk to, Twitter. And it's interesting. You brought something up off the air. Maybe we're in a bubble, a bubble of just people who are fired up with pitchforks. And there's actually a lot more people that aren't on Twitter and aren't on discord that are like, dude, the team's just not that good. Calm down. Right. <laughs> like, like you said. Well, and aren't, aren't people who would show up to a meeting and vote all the bums out who might go, yeah, the players aren't that good. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Well, we'll give them a, you know, eh, they're not the problem. We'll let them roll. <laughs> no, they are the problem. Well, that's what I go with that resignation comment, because if this next nine games goes as bad as it could go, we're going to be relegated for the third time in seven years. We're officially a yo-yo club at that point. We're officially a Hanover, yeah. a Kaiser Lawton, a Nuremberg. That's our fate. And we're going to be one of those clubs that's like one of those businesses, like the VCR or best. Uh, not Best Buy, but uh, Blockbuster, that Mm -hmm. uh, at one point we were a big deal, rightfully so. But then some other company passed us by, and that other company is is Mainz. That other company is uh, Union Berlin. That other company is Freiburg. We've been passed by, and we weren't able to catch up, and now we're as Vita League team. And it's crazy to think that that's maybe where we're at, I mean, I think it's even more crazy to think that's where my mind is mentally going, that I'm going to enjoy these next nine matches because I don't know when we're going to be back in the first division. And that's crazy. You you are already on uh, stage five of the stages of grief. Travis, you have hit acceptance (laughs) where this is good enough and it's okay. Uh I think as much as we might whine, though, about Bruno, it's nothing's going to change. Uh, Volgamut had a quote, you know, right after the game, you know, that the trainer discussion is not up for debate. And I get it. But 
why isn't it up for debate? And Volga, with that poor guy, every time he talks, I think it's why we miss Sven so much. Because even if you weren't on Team Sven, he knew how to command a press conference. <laughs> and Volgamut, sadly, you can tell he played. He was, you know, upper management. I believe at Paderborn, and I think it was Kiel. The press just wasn't the same as it is in Stuttgart. And his press conferences and his interviews are yikes worthy. And I think that gets to a lot of what my concern with this is, is that you have people that are obviously super intelligent and super good at what they do. And we're thousands of miles away, but it just looks like it's so unprofessionally run that Veril makes comments that make no sense. Volgamut makes comments that make no sense. You mentioned it earlier. Where's Kadira? Is Christian Gettner going to be the guy who was on the club when they were relegated all three times? I mean, where are these people and what are they doing? Well, not like for the, the listener who's suddenly scratching their head, that was a, a conversation we had a little bit pre, pre-record, but we're, we added three people into quote-unquote middle management to do what? Uh, we've got Kakao doing um, fan outreach. So I know he was at uh, at Texas with you guys, but I heard a lot about conversations with Sven. I heard a lot about conversations with the kit guys and just random staff members who were there. I didn't hear, I had to double check to ask you, was Kakao really there? <laughs> um, I don't know what these guys are doing. And honestly, the, the, the Bruno thing, if he's our coach in the second division, I'm not going to get really worked up about that. Because it's probably a coup to get somebody of Bruno's pedigree to coach a second division team. So great. But what we're not getting from Volgamut, what we're not getting from Verla that we always got from Sven was straightforward, honest commentary. And yes, Sven was good at press conferences and he could command a room. But part of the reason he was good at it is because he wasn't BSing anybody. And it's way easier to be good at that stuff when you're not trying to talk out of both sides of your mouth and you're just saying, here's where we are. And I don't feel like we're getting that from the current regime. It's funny because I do think there's things that Veryl has done really well. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty convinced that he played a big role in us coming to Texas with the club. You know, I know that part of that was under when Reno was there because he was an American and stuff like that. But Vero's whole thing is, is branding and trying to make Stuttgart a bigger brand and all that stuff. And when he was in Cologne, I mean, this is a really silly comparison, but their team shop is amazing. They've got almost everything you would ever want under the (laughs) sun. And thank goodness our team shop isn't like that because I would probably have almost all that stuff too. So there are a lot of things that I think he does does well from the branding perspective, but in terms of pure football, and again, we're thousands of miles away. I don't get it. I don't understand what's happening. I, you brought up earlier, is like, what is Philip Lom doing? I mean, we heard about him back yeah. in August. Where's he been? Well, that's, so my, we are thousands of miles away, but we're watching the games. We can see the outcome on the pitch. And that's, there's jobs in this world like mine where you only notice it when things go wrong, right? I work in cybersecurity. If nobody ever hears that I do anything at my company, I've done a good job because I've prevented the bad things and nobody knows that I'm there. That's great. These guys can't hide, right? And one of the big problems that we have at Stuttgart is we have no money. <laughs> and we have no money, yet we just hired Philip Lom, Sammy Kadira, Christian Gettner to do what exactly? How are they contributing to the success of the organization? We have no idea, and Verla hasn't told us. So, like, it's just it's part of the the overall frustration. We went from a a regime with Sven where we loved Sven, and part of the reason we loved Sven is because we felt like he was constantly holding the curtain back to show us what was going on, and like he was one of us. To like Verla may be great at marketing, and God knows this team needs marketing and needs international outreach. And we have proven with the OFC and with this podcast, there is a appetite for Outfish Sugar in the US, and they largely ignore us. Like we're building an infrastructure for them that they're not paying any attention to. That sucks. But we're not going to be able to continue to grow this thing very well if the on-field product is terrible. And I think that's kind of where I 
miss the boat when we moved from Reno to Bruno and the idea was, listen, all that matters is staying in the league. And I was like, yeah, I get that. The sacrificing everything else, you can really see the results of that now. And it's small, but sacrificing a, a future path or sacrificing youth players, for example, because you can't play mm-hmm. youth players apparently you know, during a relegation fight like this. You can see how this is all going to steamroll and make things worse and worse as times go on. And I think what's crazy is there's the general meeting in September. And for those of you that don't know, you know, all the clubs in Germany have to have a general meeting in which the members get to go voice their concerns and vote. And as far as I know, there's nobody up for re-election in September, but the fans and the members can voice their pleasure or displeasure in such a way that people make decisions. That's what happened with Wolfgang Dietrich in the late 2010s is he wasn't up for re-election, but everybody was so unhappy with the data affair, with lack of clarity, with the lack of just being open about things that he walked away and gave up his position. I don't think whether we survive this season or not, any of these guys are going to survive that September meeting. And obviously I don't mean violent at all. I mean, politically, yeah. I, I just don't see how Veril, Volgamut, Bruno vote. I don't see how those guys are going to make it out of that with their positions intact. Uh, and again, maybe we're thousands of miles away and we're just part of a loud bubble. And there's actually many more people that are like, listen, this is the reality and we're, we're okay with the reality. Um, but I just don't know how anybody makes it out of this from the club to the management when this thing gets to September. It's going to be really interesting to see how much of the general membership who show up because you have to physically be there to vote. Um, how much the, that, that group mirrors our opinions and what we're seeing uh, in our community online and how much they're, Kind of just like, yeah, you know, whatever, it's fine. The club's doing what it's doing. The stormy seas, blah, blah, blah. It's, I, I'm a little concerned that the, those of us who are concerned, that are worried about this stuff, that we're not making the case very well, that we're, we're shouting a lot and waving our arms a lot, but we're not making a legitimate case for why this is a long-term problem for the sustainability of the club. And that because we're not making that argument, um, we might not carry the day, but as you keep saying, we're thousands of miles away. We're not voting. Um, it's on the the commando stats of the world to to fix this, and we can just sit here and cross our fingers and, and take credit for things that we have no role in whatsoever. whatsoever. Yeah, it's thousand percent. Yeah, it's just bizarre. <laughs> it's it's. I go back to what I said before: is resignation to relegation. Is that with nine matches left in this season with Bruno at the helm with him doing things that make no sense, not just to us, but anybody. And with the communication coming out of the upper management from Volgamut to Veril, that doesn't make sense to anybody. It just seems like things are trending badly. And I think the biggest difference between this season and last season is last season, things were bad. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. It's not like things were rosy last season. Uh, but it seemed like there was hope that there was always an opportunity, that there was a chance. Even that Hertha Berlin match, if you remember towards the end of last season, we were super psyched up for that because it was a head-to-head match and the guys came out completely flat and lost yeah. that game. And at that point, it looked like a fait accompli that we were going to play in the the um, the playoff match. And the guys rallied. It's still, I had hope, you know, I, and that's the mm-hmm. biggest sense I'm getting from everybody I'm talking to and everything I'm listening to and everything I'm reading is that everybody's kind of lost that hope because even if we survive, okay, then what? And that's something yeah. that I really didn't catch on to when the Reno to Bruno shift was made. And a lot of the veteran Val Fage supporters were like, okay, now what? And I was like, well, now we survive. Now we lived, you know, to, to fight another day. And they were kind of like, eh, what's that other day going to look like? It's going to look like today. And I really didn't catch that. And I'm sort of getting that now. Uh, I don't 
know if there's anything <laughs> super positive to wrap this up with, but I, I don't have anything super positive, but I, I do want to point out one thing that we've kind of touched on a little bit, but sort of glossed over. Reno came in and, and Sun came in pre-2019 and got us promoted and we got promoted and then COVID hit. And there's a big case to be made that we've passed over that the insanity around the COVID season is what derailed this team. Mm and sent all of those plans that we were saying that i was saying you know we got a little out of ourselves and a little over our skis if COVID doesn't happen we might be having a completely different conversation about where stuttgart is now but we were our, a team on a knife's edge of viability financially skill wise and we could not afford for anything to go against us for the, the wind to blow in the wrong direction and it blew very, very hard in the wrong direction, and we fell apart. Um, my hope is that whatever happens with this season, and I'm, if we go down, I'm fine. It's it's fine. I've made my peace with it. Um, it'd be great to stay up, but how fun is it to stay up and spend the next season getting your teeth kicked in um, versus going down and playing competitively and building for the future? So I, I'd almost rather we go down and take it as a regroup opportunity and build something that can be sustainable long-term um, where in four or five years, we can say, man, you remember 2023? That sucked. <laughs> man, look where we are now. Isn't this great? Like a phoenix rising from the ashes. We, we can be the Paul Rudd meme of like, who'd have thought? Us here, huh? Not me. <laughs> I I do. It's interesting. I mean, nobody wants to get relegated and that would be devastating for the club. And I do think it'll be a historic shift if it happens that uh, does Bob Bay have the talent to bounce back up after one year? I think so. But we've done it twice before and it's not easy. This Vita League mm -hmm. is tough and things around the club are tough. So but I, I'm with you. It's weird. I, I don't want to get relegated, but I've made my peace with it. And that is yeah. just a weird, strange place to be. Well, I think part of the reason we had hope last time is because things kept going against us. We had injuries. We had illness. We had really bad luck constantly. And everybody could see that the team was pushing in the right direction, that the players were pushing in the right direction. And just one thing each game wasn't happening right for us and now it feels like everybody's kind of existing and things are still going against us but nobody's fighting it they've just kind of like yeah all right and it's we're we're all starting anton at right back on our fifa teams now going, yeah whatever <laughs> i'm gonna button mash and hope that i can beat my 13 year old cousin who spends all day playing this game <laughs> yeah i don't know I do think the guys care and they're fighting, but to your point, I think it's 11 individuals instead of one team going yeah. forward. I think it's 11 guys who are feeling the stress of the situation who are honestly doing the best they can. And like you said in the beginning of the podcast is Chris Furich is the perfect guy to represent this club right now. Just he's trying and he's doing the best that his abilities allow him to do, but he's trying too hard. And he's trying real hard and he's a little out of his depth. And that's, that's us right now. You know what, though? We do have a couple positives here, so let's wrap it up. So if things do go south, we got some good news from Flabby Viking, frequent contributor to the program. So I'm going to read a bit of an email that he sent me uh, via my private uh, OFC chairman email, which is also my regular email. He says, Valby TV is up and running again. Uh, back in September, he sent an email to the club asking about it because it had been down for quite some time and he hadn't heard back, but he did hear back and it's back. The cost isn't that much. It's super expensive over in Europe to watch anything over there, which Hannes told us and Flavius kind of confirmed, but it's only €2.99. Euro. So two, uh, so basically three bucks a month to get all the Valve TV that you could watch. He was able to rewatch the Schalke game a while back. He obviously stopped watching that one after a little bit and just to make sure the video quality was okay, which it was, but he didn't put himself through the entire match, which we of course lost, but it works. It's on demand. Uh, he said there's a little bit of a delay, 
but you can still watch it. Um, and it's a bit strange. He says, quote, to feel so jubilant about being able to view a less than mediocre team with safe and uncomplicated regularity. But hey, this wasn't up and running. I wouldn't be able to watch them at all. Um, so there you go. So he said, we've got that. And, um, you know, three bucks a month. That's cheaper than ESPN. That's way less than I'm paying for ESPN. And I can, I won't, but I probably could drop ESPN because 90% of what I watch on there is sugar. What I want to know, uh, and Flabby hit me up on Twitter with this, uh, last time I had Balafay TV when we were in the second division, it was regular for the guy who was commentating to just leave for like a 20-minute stretch. It was like he went to get another beer or went to the bathroom, and there'd be long stretches of silence, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, hey, a thing happened, and it was amazing. And I just I want to know if that guy's still there, uh, if he's still randomly doing beer runs in the middle of the broadcast. I used to uh, love that. Let me know. There would be a 15 minute period where nobody would be speaking. <laughs> You're like, did uh did Schmen just leave? What just happened? I'm pretty sure I'm sure it did. Yeah, that was fine. It was like he, he got caught in a beer line at at, at the, the halftime break and the second half starts and he's nowhere to be found. And then oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think we're all gonna find out pretty quickly <laughs> what's happening on Bounty <laughs> TV right there. So Flabby, thanks for that. I'm not going to add in the various expletives you use to describe the upper management <laughs> because this is a family show, but thanks for your TV scouting there. And then Matt, I'm going to end with this, the website that you always love, 538 and their predictions. Even after all the results this weekend still has us finishing in 16th place, everybody. So 538 does, you know, they believe in us. I, I don't know what uh, what Nate over there is seeing that I'm not, but uh, I, you know, hope springs eternal. So from the one website, you know, we, we still have a chance to play one of the uh, the bottom three teams or top three teams, I should say, in these Vita Liga. So we'll see how we'll see how that goes. But um, well, I guess, Matt, this is uh, probably one of our more controversial episodes ever. We came out, said, you know what, Bruno has to go uh then we also covered our bases by saying listen we're not really there so we don't know so if anybody but the club is actually listening we are still real nice guys even though we think you're all doing a terrible job but, <laughs> but we don't really know so i think we've covered every base possible <laughs>